latest episode of the Brush Borders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Borders Union, Simon Berman. This month, uh, the first podcast of 2024, I am joined by returning guest Andy Hobday and uh, first-time guest Paul Hicks. You know them from a bunch of work over the years. Uh, Andy, of course, is one of the uh, or the game designer behind the Baron's War. Uh, Paul Hicks has been a sculptor for many years. He's been sculpting for Footsore Miniatures, among many other companies. And uh, they've got some exciting news to talk about for this year. So, guys, thanks for joining me. Hello. Very welcome. Thanks Hello. for inviting us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, Andy, you know, I've had you on to talk about the Baron's War a few times. In fact, I actually was playing the Baron's War last night with my buddy. Um, so I'm excited to hear more about everything you've got. Ooh, ooh tell, us, tell us how it went. Oh, it was good. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I'm actually, uh, my gaming club, we're uh, renting a, a couple of houses out on the, uh, the Washington coast this coming weekend. And a few of them want to check out the Baron's War, and I hadn't played oh, it in a minute. Cool. So my my friend Lars and I, um, we kind of uh, dusted it off last night, so I remember all the details and stuff. So uh, I played the I, we we played the first scenario from the uh, Death and Taxes campaign. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, it's fun. I had it's, I got a lot of stuff painted up. Um, I've got some cool scenery. I got all, all of the uh, the resin terrain you guys did with that Kickstarter a couple years ago. Um, so I was playing the forces of uh, Eustace Lodum. Uh, versus Lars and Robin Hood, and uh, despite him kind of kicking the hell out of me, I did win a victory on victory points, so that was excellent. But uh, it didn't go so yeah, well. Yeah, well, it's, it's all very narrative, isn't it? So I think uh, sometimes you can get lost in trying to kill each other, but... Uh, yeah! That's it, it... <laughs> <laughs> so like our relationship. It is, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. yeah that... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's fun. I, Baron's War is great. I'm looking forward to uh, teaching some of the guys in my club this weekend, and uh, it's got me inspired to paint it. I've got a whole bunch of Baron's War stuff painted up, but I have quite a bit that isn't painted. For, I think from all the way back to that first Kickstarter, I've got some of those mounted knights I need to, to work on, so maybe this winter I'll uh, I'll finally get around to them. But, uh, yeah, I, I love That's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, Paul, so uh, welcome to uh, the Brush Wars Union podcast, and uh, you know, I think Andy, he's a veteran of this this interview at this point. But um, Paul, let's let's start with you actually, and then we'll get back to Andy. Yeah. Uh, tell me about yourself, Paul. You, you're uh, you're a professional miniature sculptor. You have been for some time. And uh, yeah. how, how did you get into all that? You know, what what do, what do you what do you do as a sculptor? Uh, well, I, I sort of started off converting figures in what shouldn't have been my spare time at game working in stores in games workshop. But hmm. uh, because hardly anyone came into the stores, it just ended up that I had lots of spare time um, and I would sort of cut figures up. I've never, never been happy with the, um, the sort of the, the figure. Oh, I mean, when I think that when fantasy, when I was playing fantasy, not every troop type, was available so you would have to do a bit of converting every now and again sure. um and so the the bits that i would make became more substantial on each figure um until you know i was doing the odd face or um you know the odd arm or leg and it just so happened that one of the guys i used to game with bought a company called gripping beast um, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've done some gripping beast models in the past. Yeah, cool. Um, and at one point, he um, he asked me to sort of do some um, conversions for them, just to flesh out the the range. 
I think those first figures I did never made the, the light of day because they weren't very good at all. Sure. Um, and then a company called, I think it was Battle Honours, um, they um, asked uh, Grip and Beast if they knew anyone that was wanted to do a, um, a First World War range. Um, and they said, yeah, it was me and another guy. And um, that was back in 2002. Um, and I, I left my job um, to, to become a full-time sculptor. Um, and I've sort of, apart from a, a brief stint of going back to the company I worked for, uh, working at part time, I've been sculpting figures ever since. Very cool. And uh, I, I, I think I became familiar with your work for uh, for foot sword miniatures, who've made a variety of wonderful miniatures. Um, I think you know generic historical stuff, but you know I think they were kind of focused around saga uh, as a game for a long time. So I've seen a lot of your work there, which I think a lot of people are probably familiar with as well. Thank uh, you. How, how was working with Footsore and you know? Uh, well, well, you have to deal with Andy every now and again. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you. Like, uh, it's um, you, you you get into a, a a rhythm of working with the companies. Um, I do a lot of work for uh, Brigade Games and over your side of the pond, and uh, with um, Empress Miniatures here, and um, I think. On the whole, it's it, it's kind of the same for working with everyone. It's they know what my style is. I know what they're looking for, and it's it's kind of um, you know they kind of all those companies give me a bit of a free reign of you know how I would like to interpret what they want. Obviously, if it's not anything like they they actually want, they'll they'll send it back. But I think sure. we, we all come to a happy sort of agreement with um, with the figures. Um, so yeah, it's a good working relationship with Futsal. Um with most well, all the companies or companies I work for. Yeah. So um as a sculptor in 2024, what what is your sculpting medium? Do you do you sculpt traditionally? Do you sculpt digitally? Uh I'm still um I'm one of the Luddites that still um yeah. do it traditionally. Um, but I don't want to work with a computer. Sure. I've got. I'm. I'm working right now, um, and so I've got a desk full of bits that I'm just cutting up and having fun with, and and kit bashing figures, and uh, you know, just I don't want to sort of. I I like to to be able to build something with my hands as opposed to it sort of appearing on a screen and and not and not having something at the end of the day um yeah to say oh look i've made that um you know i've crafted that out of my own own hand. i can see the merits of um 3d printing but it's sure. uh, digital sculpting but it's 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 not how i want to work yeah no i i understand you know one of the one of the things you know taking the hobby world by storm the last few years has been um 3d printing which yeah. is obviously different from what you're talking about but you know um and I, again, I see the merits in 3D printing, but when I'm spending my hobby time, I don't want to spend any time messing with a computer or a machine. I want to be painting and putting together models. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally get that that, that perspective. Um, yeah, and I can see why people, you know, why why people want to do digital sculpting. Um, and we've collabed with um, 
we we had a, a session with three of us, me, Andy, and the guy who does some digital sculpting for us all all just um you know, just chatted while we could all see the screen. Um and this thing came alive on the screen, which was which was fun for me because I was doing my job and then sort of uh putting my two pence in to what um this this figure should look like. Yeah, and so that was quite fun, but it's um, that's about as where my interest for it is at the moment. I mean, it may change. Um, it's a very, it's a very different process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we no, we uh, we we you know, there's merits within digital sculpting that we use, uh, and we combine it with what we do traditionally. It's usually either hard edge things like shields or weapons. Uh, and we've used uh, digital sculpting for some of the mounts for the, the fancy range that we're doing. But, yeah. uh, you know, on a, on a, on a whole, though, we're both quite big fans of traditional sculpting, aren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, all the, yeah, all my rock stars are, are physical sculptors. Um, sure. You know, that's who I would like to, you know, emulate. That's the people that I am. Um, that inspire me um yeah yeah and i think i think it's interesting because you know with with digital sculpting there are degrees of um detail and ornamentation that you know would be if not impossible very difficult or tedious to do in a, in a traditional sculpting um, medium but uh, i think one of the interesting things about you know when, you, when people who do sculpt traditionally in in, in putties and clays and so forth uh, is that the limitations of it kind of give those things some character, right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're yeah. going to have the, the somewhat exaggerated facial features and stuff. And like, that can be a big part of the charm. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I look at it more like when you watch, um, so if you watch star Wars on a, um, a 4k high def TV, it doesn't look like to me, it doesn't look as good as some, when it was first released because it's, you know, it played to those strengths. Yeah, and it it has a a, a real a grittiness to it. Um, and I think sometimes, not all times, but um, a lot of digital sculpting to me becomes is a bit of that uncanny valley. I think it's. I think at the moment it's a bit like um, sort of Attack of the Clones, um, the new thing on on the block. You know, it will it will become um what digital uh cgi is in films now it will come on leaps and bounds but I, at the moment i think it's it it just doesn't ring true for a lot of the figures i see mm-hmm. um and also i think a lot of um a lot of 3d um digital sculpts do tend to just go overboard on detail when it's not needed Sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's a big temptation just cramming all the stuff you think is cool, even if it's uh, not necessarily good for the overall <laughs> composition, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can do with digital sculpting because you can zoom in and you can, you know, pick out every, you know, every small detail that you want. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 where I'm coming from on uh, as, as a traditional sculptor. Yeah. No, that's that makes a lot of sense. So, Andy, you had mentioned a few minutes ago about the fantasy line you guys are doing, which is kind of what you you're both here to talk about today. 
Um, so in my understanding is that you are, two of you are getting ready to found a new company, uh, Hobday and Hicks. And uh, you're going to be interacting with a, a range of fantasy miniatures that will be using uh, the Baron's War rules engine, if not the Baron's War name. Uh, so tell me, I want to hear all about that from, from both of you. But Andy, let's, let's kind of start with you um, from uh, the overall perspective of what, what you guys are up to. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot to unpick there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, all right. Well, let, let's, 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 let's narrow in. So how did you guys decide that the two of you wanted to start a company together with okay, the name we, Hobby we, and Hicks? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, Paul and I have known each other for quite a long time, as I'm sure people are aware. Uh, who follow us, uh, we both have a, a background in games workshop and uh, and obviously Paul has done some sculpting for Footsore as you've covered. But uh, what we found when we were doing the Baron's War that uh, we actually like working together and the process of what started as, as uh, myself asking Paul to sculpt uh, some figures for Baron's War 1, which was the, the, the first Baron's War Kickstarter we did, turned into four Kickstarters because we actually enjoyed the process and yeah. and what we were creating. And also coupled with that, the response we got was that people liked the miniatures and liked what we were doing. So it kind of grew out of somewhere uh, that we initially you know something that was initially let's do a few figures to, to where it is now uh we we never saw it the barons will becoming that and you know we're very pleased and very grateful for all the support we got and what what's transpired out there is we've made a lot of barons war miniatures and uh a set of rules which we're you know we're we're quite proud of so Coupled with that and, and the fact that we like working together, Paul uh, and I had a conversation last year. Uh, Paul is, a, as you know, a well-known sculptor. He, he makes a lot of figures for lots of people. Uh, but we also thought that him and I would like to do something on our own. That, you know, Paul, I wasn't, if it was like a, a, the agreement like Paul and I have, where I ask him to sculpt something, he sculpts it. It's a transaction, and then that figure leaves him, and we go off and and uh, put that on and, and talk about it, and pulls on to the next job. Paul wanted to be more involved in what we're doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I can't think of anybody I'd you know would want to do it with than Paul. So we decided that we would have a go at setting up our own business. And uh, while we were having that conversation, one of the things that came out of that was I was quite keen to do some fantasy rules around. The Baron's War, uh, I kind of like thought about it, but the more that we've been going out talking to people, it's kind of what people wanted to see, and, and some people start to try playing it. So yeah. uh, out of that has grown a, a real rough and ready set, which we, we will finesse over time. Uh, but it, in essence, it's two. I kind of see the project in two strands. One is the figures that we're going to make, and... Uh, we both agreed that we wanted to do orcs first. We like orcs. Uh, and we were going to do humans, but we, we, we'll come back to that. We've changed our mind to do elves. And and the rule book and the fantasy rules are two kind of separate things, but can be used together, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So we're making we're making some fancy figures, and if people want to use the Barons of All rules uh, to play games with them, that's great. But if what people want to take those fancy figures and use them for any fancy game that 
that they're playing, and that's great too. So the the idea is that we we're going to create a, a fancy range we're proud of and a set of rules to go with it. Very cool. So actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick the one back over to you, Paul, since you're you're the sculptor. Um, yeah. What are your kind of um, inspirations for these these ranges? You're, you're, I, I you've seen you list talking about doing elves, dwarves, humans, orcs, undead, and monsters, which are all the, the you know, kind of classic fantasy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, of course, have all been, you know, represented many, many times over the years in many media, but I'm curious, uh, what what are what is your unique take on these these classic fantasy things that uh, is going to make these cool and compelling for people to check out? Well, I think we... A lot... A lot of the, uh, the inspiration, I think... A lot of it came for me from the death and taxes for doing like the villagers and just um, having a bit of free form. With, if, um, if I can interrupt real quick, I love those villagers so much. They are oh, some of my you. favorite miniatures I've ever owned. I've got I've painted up all of the ones, and I, I wish you guys would make more. I, I will buy them sight unseen if you tell me you're making more generic <laughs> <laughs> medieval peasants in covered in filth and carrying baskets. And I, I love them. I just love them to death. I'll, I'll send you please go on. It. I'll send you my bank details and I'll tell it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that was really enjoyable. And, um, you know, I thought, well, these these could work, you know, for a fan. You know, if people want to play fantasy fig- um, with them as well, they'd work in those that setting because they're, they're pretty, you know, generic sure. um, people in sort of sacks really, aren't they? villages they could yeah work for quite a, a a wide selection of games um i'm a big f- most of my um inspiration comes obviously from a historical um aspect because that's why i normally well that's majority of my work is historical miniatures um mm-hmm. a lot of the um inspiration for me has come from uh, notes from the his, you know, historical nods. Um, we've used a lot of historical references for um, the concept work for the elves um, and the dwarfs that we've had concept work done for, um, which has been fun. So we can be able to to take elements from the same time period. Um, but weave those in to to produce a, a real a, a certain look, and I think it's worked really well. Um, the orcs, I just wanted something that was really grubby that sort of spoke a, a lot from that the um, the Lord of the Rings animation from the seventies. That that really grabbed me when I first saw it as a kid, and I think that's always been the look of orcs for me. Um, Kind of the uh, the Ralph Bakshi stuff, right? That's, yeah, the Ralph. Bakshi, yeah, yeah. His his take on the those rotoscoped um, animated orcs. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, it's like tortured men, that kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Just, you know somewhere make him look um, vicious. You know, they get. I love Ked, Kev Adams's orcs, but they they're different take on it it's it is a comedy orc um I yeah as much as i love those figures and i used to have a an orc and goblin army for warhammer when i worked at games workshop as much as i love that that look i wanted our orcs not to be 
none of our orcs spoke with a Cockney accent. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's you know even the Lord of the Rings films one um, orcs had Cockney accents. I wanted our um, orcs not to that be something that people wouldn't associate with our orcs. Yeah, and I, you, you guys yeah. have shared one picture so far of uh, some uh, orc, orcs on wargs, which are very, very cool. Yeah, they're yeah they're the uh, the light kind of like light cavalry in game yeah. terms. We've also got some heavy wargs coming as well. Oh, really? That's wargs, cool. All fully armored, so they're they're pretty cool. You know, they got spears and shields, and yeah, uh, we've put some armor on the wargs as well, and they're pretty all armored up. So. Uh, they're going to be quite exciting when they come along. Uh, and we, we, it's been it's been quite an interesting, like like Paul says, it's been quite an interesting uh, experience for us, really, because uh, one of the things I kind of insisted on, I, I want it to be grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I know fancy's fancy. You can take it anywhere, and you can have high fancy and all of that kind of thing. But for me, it's really important that the, you can look at it and it doesn't look dark, yeah. and uh, it, that was very key for us, really. So, you know, the orcs—they're—they're—they're they're, they're nasty. They're, they're, you know, they're—they're a—they're a tribe. They're—they're they're tough. They're sinewy. They're nasty. It's that kind of feel to them, and uh, you know, and the, the toughest guys in charge. That's really what we wanted. So, kind of like drawing yeah. from that kind of place. But the armor that they're wearing is all believable armor. And it's the same with the elves. You know, we looked at armor that we liked. We talked about uh, the complexity of the armor. Uh, how, how, you know, how far did we want to go? Uh, how complex did we want to make it? And all of these decisions, as Paul says, we drew from history. And uh, we were very lucky. Uh, I, I was very cheeky, and I asked Peter Dennis, uh, the artist, if he, the guy who does, who's drawn the Baron's Wall covers for. Yeah. for me etc if he would do some concept work for us which is really cheeky because he's, he's he's quite a well-known artist but yeah. he jumped at the chance he didn't oh, he, very cool. he was he, did, he was very yeah. excited was very excited about it and he got involved and he he uh we kind of had all that it was it was like feeding all the parts into a into a machine you know mm-hmm. we like all of these bits peter we like these helmet designs or we like these things and he just took them away and he did loads of sketches for us didn't he pencil sketches yeah, and it was like, yeah, that's that's right. That's the elves we were. Cool. We, I don't think we would have got there without it. If that's that's fair to say, isn't oh, it? Oh no, we wouldn't have done no because it. You have, uh, to be honest with you, I was getting a m- bit of a mental block. Andy was going, "Can you do me a concept? Can you do me a concept?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I I just can't." It's okay, trying to just sculpt something from out. A, a, like a fancy figure out of your head, it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. You need you need to know exactly what it's going to look like. Otherwise, it, it's never going to work. And when uh, Andy showed me the the Peter Dennis um, concept work, then that was it. I was away. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was. It just unlocked it, didn't it? And I, and I think yeah. because we had all of these ideas. And all of the, the this, you know, uh, bits of armor or bits of helmets, you know, we were talking about them. Uh, it's picking those right bits and using them in the right place, so so they look right. 
and consistent, uh, right? That's that's sort of a consistent, a, yeah, line, yeah, unbelievable, you know. And it, and and I think because Peter's drawn so many things over the over the countless years he's been drawing, to him it came quite natural. Uh, Funny enough, so, one yeah. of the, the things I w- was drawn to was my daughter had um, a book of King Arthur tales by um, there's like a publishing house here. I don't know if you have it over there. Is is Osborne and they do like Greek myths and they do all different books. You know, like so I, I actually am familiar with those because my my mother is British um, and while she lived over oh, okay. here, a, a lot a lot of English and British cultural stuff sort of ended up in my childhood one way <laughs> or another. So yeah, I know I know just what you're talking about. So we, I think she was like four or five, and we got a book on um, Arthur, and and the illustrations in there were very much fantasy orientated, but they had a grounding um, in historical armor, and and the artist was Peter Dennis. Yeah, and that was a book, and because I, I spoke to him about it, and I said, "Oh, my daughter loves that book," um, and you illustrated it. Um, it, he'd done it many years ago, but I could see that that thought process was similar to to the thought process that we were having with um, this fantasy range. No, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it's it's delightful that you guys are working with Peter Dennis because those covers of the Barons War are beautiful, and you know his. his I think if you if you're any kind of history uh, buff, you've almost certainly encountered his work at some point. So it's 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 just a delight to see it in the in the context of a game. Oh, absolutely, and he's such a lovely man, you oh, know. Uh, and he's, he, you know, he. I don't know if you've seen his website. He's got uh, Peter's Paper Boys. The Paper Boys, yeah. I actually, I, yeah. I keep meaning to reach out to him. I have him on the podcast sometimes. That's such a cool project he's doing. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll mention it when I see him next. But he, oh, he, he uh, yeah, of course. That that whole thing there, that whole thing that he's doing is just marvelous. Uh, you know, and he's, it, it's just so, so inspirational. I look through all of the all of the paper soldiers that he's creating. And it's like, you know, they just look fabulous when they're all ranked up and he's playing his games. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, just such a such a talent. Very cool. Um, so but as much as I want to talk about his stuff, let's let's talk some more about yours, though. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so you're going to be, you're going to, you're starting with orcs and elves, is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, we were, we were doing, we were doing orcs and humans and then, uh, when the concepts landed and it kind of unlocked Paul's creativity, he's just gone crazy and he started making lots and lots of elves. So uh, cool. we, we just let him get on with it. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the, the design beats behind your, your orcs, but where are your elves coming from visually? Um, There is elements of what the Renaissance artists thought Romans looked like from biblical art. Um, Interesting. uh, There's a bit of, there's some elements of Roman, but not Roman. Um, More Byzantine, like Eastern Rome, isn't it? Byzantine, yeah. Byzantine, yeah. 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 They're not, when we say Roman, we're not talking about the... um, your typical asterisk Roman. I think we're we're talking sort of more Byzantine, late Roman period. Eastern Empire, yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, with with some uh, sort of Asian elements as well. It's it really does work. Um, mm. 
and it was quite inspiring to be well when Peter sort of threw it all in the mix and what came out. Um, yeah, I was yeah, that's pretty cool. hooked. Um, and you know, I, I I could go through asking about every one of your your armies you have in mind, but I I am curious when you're, you're talking about the humans, um, hmm. do you have a, a sort of an overall look for them that will distinguish them from just generic medieval humans, or or how's that going? Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, there's going to be different kind of human factions, but we're going to focus on one to start with, and uh, they. Uh, the background that I've gone for, and again, if no one wants to play this, that's fine. I won't be offended. <laughs> but uh, the way the way that we're going to do the book is we the, the book will have those forces in, but we the figures that we're doing will match a scenario. So uh -huh. we're going to have a we're going to have a campaign pack that the figures will work with, and in there the humans are guarding uh, the, a, a dark uh, pathway into the mountains, and that's where the orcs are pouring through. And based on near that that passageway through uh, is a settlement of humans, which are they're assigned to guard it, and uh, they they send up all the, the the human champions and disgraced humans to go and to do the bidding, and that's what they do. So they they're kind of like I'm going to say they're like knights, but they're not. Each one is like he's got his individual. Uh, heraldry and what i'm kind of trying to uh paul and i are trying to work through is it, the helmets that they wear will be individual not like their their uh, heraldry on their shields but they'll have these family heirlooms which will be these helmets that they pass down mm -hmm. if uh if they keep them and but the armor that they'll wear it's not with maybe a bit of plate but mostly chain and it'll be kind of that cross between uh for these guys very uh, early middle middle ages, uh, which that period that we're not allowed to call the dark ages anymore. Right. Uh, but that that kind of it, I kind of see them as a cross between a a Saxon but a knight. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I, I get that. And but these guys, these guys will be the you know these are these are the heroic kind of half guard type, uh, and then they'll the village where they, their base is called Byland because it's by the gate, by this path. And they're, all the people in there are Bylanders and they, they'll they be villagers and militia that will, will have to join uh, and they won't be as well-equipped. Sure. So, well, you know, uh, I, I'm a games writer myself, um, so I'm always interested in background material, but are, are, you, are you developing kind of a, a setting for this uh, then? You know, with a, 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 a yeah, well, the, the plan is... We, yeah, well, I think world world is is a far grasp uh, at the moment. But what we will do is we will have a kind of vision of where it is and what it's set and what the background is. Uh, because my my first love is fantasy gaming, you know, from from when I was a kid. Uh, so I really I really wanted to to place a setting there. Uh, but we'll start small. We'll we'll base it all around where the campaign is set so there'll be the village there'll be the dark path there'll be the mountains where these orcs are coming down from uh the elves are coming etc and we'll we'll base it around there with some name characters and some name units etc and if people like that and that and if that ignites people's interest then we'll do another another campaign with more people and it will just bolt on and i, yeah. I see the world the world and and you know unveiling 
with each of these campaign settings. That's very cool. I, I think it's a great and very digestible way to do your world building as well, right? Because like, you know, speaking from experience, when you're when you're building a whole world from first principles, it's uh, it's a lot of work and it's very easy to become overwhelmed. But you know, when you have a sort of product line to build it around and be like, well, we're going to have these orcs, and these elves, or these humans, or whatever, and you know, we're going to have a book that lets you create these scenarios. It, it kind of makes it a little easier to approach as a game designer, don't you think? I agree. I totally agree. And and uh, you know, it, it, I, I want to. I, I mean this in the right way. It's a lot less work. Yeah, you know, because building, putting, building a setting and and creating a setting is still you know quite time consuming to make it again believable. But then creating heroes to to sit in there, uh, you, you know, that's a lot easier than creating whole worlds where they come from or whole whole you know places or countries that these people come from and trying to tell that whole story. That whole, you know, that whole story. I, I kind of said like, like it is saga. That kind of saga thing where the stories will unfold over time. Sure. You know, and I, I kind of like that idea as well because you know, here's here's this hero. This is this is you know who he is. Hint about where he comes from or some of his background, and then you can slowly just just build it and build around it. As long as you've got an idea of where it is, it doesn't have yeah. to be written out you can you can feed that in and and bring it round and it i think it kind of makes leaving people guessing uh makes makes the characterization more interesting yeah absolutely i think one of the joys of doing that kind of world building is you, know, you, you see a bunch of ideas out there and then inevitably a uh, a gamer who is you know playing your game is like oh is this what you were planning to do and you can be like yeah that's exactly what we were planning to do yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, and just you know, put it in the next book. But yeah, it's always fun when you know you've got that kind of living world to to build and develop around, and you know you can kind of backfill the parts you need as needed. I, oh. I agree, and I and I, and I you probably heard me say it before. You know, especially with with things like the Baron's Warm games that we've re- released. As soon as as soon as the game is out there, I think it's everybody's game. Yeah. So you know, here's the Baron's War, and and go and play this game. And and if you think something doesn't work, or you've got an idea, or whatever, I'm all ears. I think. Uh, if, if people are going to invest time and money in something that you've created, then you know you should you should roll with it and see where it goes. Absolutely. So speaking of where it's going, um, I believe you guys are planning to be going to Kickstarter with uh, with this new game or new line of figures, I should say. Uh, is that still correct? Yeah, that's yeah, that's so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what 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 is your what is your plan for the Kickstarter? Right? As much as you can talk about. Uh, it, the first the first. Kickstarter will be uh, releasing the elves and the orcs. Why we why we do Kickstarter is it allows us to release a lot more than we would be able to do without a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll also we want to release uh, Baron's War Fantasy, whatever that will be as a as a name. But uh, we'd like to because even though we're playing the Baron's War, we're going to need to add monsters in there. And if you start yeah. adding monsters, you're going to have to have a uh, a wounds stat, which we don't have at the moment in Baron's War, so there'll be right. wounds in there, and then you've got to add all the magic in. I was going to so, say you need a wizard, don't you? You need a wizard. Everybody needs a wizard, Harry, yeah. <laughs> and 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 some uh, magic items, etc. Uh, and the way that I see magic in the, in our world is, it's if you're a non-magical being or a non-magical person, you're actually fearful of it. Okay. So uh, that's going to play into the game as well. That's the side effect of, 
you know, there, there has to be, uh, for all that reward, there has to be, you know, a risk. So uh, it, it's gonna, we're going to use fear as our, as our moderator uh, towards magic. So presumably there will be some, some dread consequences for the use of magic in the game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Definitely. We're, we're doing some mechanics at the moment around the uh, morale system. So, uh, you know, casting affects morale in, in groups near you. Uh, and also, if your wizard is in a in a unit that isn't used to magic, it can affect his own morale as well. Very cool. And uh, so, what do you see the scope of this first Kickstarter being? You said you're talking about orcs and elves. Um, will the the Baron's War fantasy rules be part of that? Will it be a later project? Or well, I'd like I'd like to you know even if we uh, at the end of the day uh, we we use Kickstarter for for what I believe it's intended uh, for is to kickstart a project. So, you know, we'd want it, we want to release 50 elves and 50 orcs, uh, which is, which is a lot. Uh, So uh, hopefully Kickstarter will allow us to do that. Uh, But as part of that as well, we'd want to release some army lists for other factions. So even though, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, there'd be a campaign setting, I also want to release army lists for uh, elves, dwarves, humans, uh, undead, and orcs generic lists. Yeah. So if anybody just says like, "I hate your setting," which is which is fair enough, I can, I can, I, I'm sure there will be people who like uh, like that. Uh, sure I but I, them. they, I'm sure they'll let me know, and that's good too. Uh, but I love playing the Baron's War as a fantasy game but I want to make up my own setting or, you know, play a, a well-known setting with it, then they'll be able to take mm-hmm. it and do that too. Very cool. Um, so you said 50 orcs, 50 elves. Um, is this going to be a range of infantry, cavalry? Like what, what kind of stuff can we expect? I don't, I'm not going to hold you to specific model counts or anything, but you know, <laughs> on, on the whole, what sort of range of models do you expect to see for each of these two factions? Yeah, the, uh, Paul's been quite prolific. So the orcs are nearly done, I I believe. So there'll be uh, archers, there'll be spear orcs. We're not allowed to call them spearmen, are we, Paul? No. Spear orcs, uh, or, you know, all hand weapons, if you want to give them hand weapons. Yeah. Uh, we've got some warg riders. We've got light warg riders uh, with not a lot of armor. We've got some heavy warg riders who are all tooled up with armor. Uh We've got uh, some orc shamans. We've got orc bosses. We have a, I think we're going to do a bolt thrower of some description, some yeah, sort of war like machine. Yeah. And we're going to do a, an orc chariot as well. So it, it's going to be quite interesting. And the idea is that would form a war band. And that would be the war band that's coming out in the mountains mm-hmm. uh, in within the campaign. Uh, for the elves we talking gone sorry no it's kind of similar isn't it so we've got um cavalry there's um yep. i'm just on the just on the sort of the third set of spear elves and archers um so yeah those those are coming are coming along pretty quickly um i think some 
some form of um, artillery, not like um, or just a field weapon for them as yeah. well. Um, and they the in the in the background the elves have turned up in the boat, so there'll be some sort of uh, uh, marines we think some sort of elf marines. Oh, cool! So uh, and 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 obviously an elf prince to lead them. Everybody sure. needs elf prince. So of course, yeah. Oh um, well. Anyway, you you've got your uh, you've got your sort of wolf riding cavalry, and yeah. uh, will that will that be somewhere for the uh, the chariots? Will they be pulled by those those big monstrous creatures as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Definitely don't want boars to be pulling them. Um, yeah. No, so we, we, I, I, I think we're gonna have two wolves, aren't we? Yeah. Is yeah. That's idea. What I want. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, how about for your your elves? Do they do they ride horses or do they have uh, more fantastical mounts? No, they'll be. Oh, they all not horses. I'm sorry, horses. Yeah. Cool. Um. So. When are you kind of looking at this Kickstarter launch? Do you have, do you have a, a time period in mind yet? Uh, not quite yet, but I think it'll be the first half of this year. Sure. Uh, Paul and Paul, Paul and I are both off to Adepticon. Uh, oh, great. You guys there. Oh, oh brilliant. There you go. Yeah. Well, to get me great to catch yeah, we're very person. excited. Yeah, we're very right. excited about it. So You're going to have a great time. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best ministry show in the world. Oh, that's yeah, that's called, brilliant. Right. Sold. Yeah. yeah, we can't. We're very excited about it. So we, we're going to come and talk about it. We'll bring some figures with us as well to give away to people we meet. Uh, okay. And just just generally, you know, gauge gauge what people think. Uh, and then when we come back, I think we'll look to start getting the Kickstarter ready to go. That's awesome. And, you know, your, your track record with Kickstarters is very, very good. I've backed three or four of them myself at this point. Um, you know, you, you guys have always delivered on time or earlier than expected. Um, and the quality's always been excellent, so I'm, I'm very stoked to see that. Thank you. We, we, it's it's interesting because uh, I'm one of those people who wants to treat everybody how I'd want to be treated. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. So you know, if people, we we really, I, I can't stress this enough. Anybody who, who backs a Kickstarter that we're doing enables us to bring out a range of miniatures that we really want to do, uh, and you know each time that it happens and we can do this and we can fulfill it, you know, me and Paul are pretty blown away by it. And it, yeah. it, it's each one we do is really exciting uh, because we're trying to release something that we really want to bring out into the, yeah. you know, into the community. Uh, so, you know, it's great that you say that because that's kind of the response that we want because we, we really want to uh, reward people for helping us. No, that, that's always been my feeling, you know, backing your Kickstarters. I've, I've got a, like, a lot of confidence in doing that. You know, I've, I've run a number of Kickstarters myself of varying scales, and I know just how much work and how overwhelming oh, it can yeah. be to keep all those moving pieces together. So I'm always impressed with uh, with your output from those. Thank you. Um, well, I'm just pleased that we've got someone like Andy that can actually run those, because um, that's definitely not my wheelhouse. Is uh, stuff like... Um, the admin and stuff like that. So having Andy on board to do all of that is such a, he does all of the, um, all of that hard work for the Kickstarter. Yeah. It is so much work. It really is. So, uh, you know, uh, tip of the hat to you, Andy, for that. Um, so kind of to wrap things up here, I'm going to ask each of you the same question. Uh, I'm going to let Paul go first. Uh, Paul, what is your favorite sculpt uh, in the upcoming line of Orcs and Elves? 
I think it is the elf mage. Tell me about oh. him or her. Pardon? Can you tell me a little bit about uh, your elf mage? Yeah, it's um, so there's a bit of movement. It's a, one of the, the more dynamic figures that I've done. Um, so there's a lot of movement. It got my daughter's seal of approval because she was quite <laughs> was quite pleased with the little tornado that comes with it. Um, yeah, I was really pleased. It just it was one of those figures I started, and it just seemed to sculpt itself. Yeah. Um, I also tried a, a couple of new techniques while sculpting, which uh, which worked perfectly. Um, so I was really pleased, and it sort of set the tone for a lot of the other figures I've sculpted since as well. Oh, that's cool. Well, what were the techniques? If you can talk about those. Well, I've my daughter, like most most kids, is absolutely addicted to YouTube. Um, but there's one one uh, guy that we kind of love watching together. This guy called North of the Border, um, and he sculpts n little nerdy things as he's, he talks, and it's normally pop culture things gone mad. Uh -huh. um, so, like Pokemon. Um, characters if they were uh, real and, and uh, shark and T-Rex combined and stuff like that and the way he did hands I was just like oh that's amazing I'll try that and it worked so you know I was really pleased with cool. um, taking that that element and his technique yeah um, so it's, it's quite a lot I watch a lot of YouTube videos from people that don't don't sculpt but do make models and things like that and you can suddenly go oh, actually that would work in so in what i do um so you, you do find little hints and tips in the the least um the places you wouldn't expect to find them yeah oh, that's very cool all right well uh, same question to you andy what is your favorite sculptor model coming out for the orcs and elves Ooh, that's a good one. I I must admit I like the elf mage as well. I like yeah. him uh, because he's just starting to cast. Is what I like about him. He's telling a story, mm -hmm. so uh, he you can just see where he's drawing his power from. That's pretty cool. Uh, I really do like a figure that we haven't shown yet, which we're just finishing, which is the uh, we? elf. We yeah, well, it's <laughs> well, you're sculpting. I'm directing. That's how it works. <laughs> Andy's the ideas guy. <laughs> oh, right. He is, is he? Yeah. Uh, the Royal We, uh, who is the elf champion, and uh, hopefully we'll get to show him soon. Uh, and he, he's, again, very animated, isn't he, Paul? But he's got a, yeah. a massive, massive two-handed axe, and uh, he's, he's very, very cool. However... Uh, the other one I like is one of the heavy orc wolf riders uh, with the he's got like a full helmet on and his eye eye sockets are like sibs on his helmet and he looks uh -huh. pretty cool too. So uh, awesome. the, the 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 orc uh, wolf riders, the heavy orc wolf boys, they're they're pretty cool when we show those. Uh, they're, cool. they're really cool. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm excited to see all of this and uh, see the Kickstarters. So, uh, Paul and Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, thanks, Sasha. As always.
Um, if you're listening, uh, check the show notes below. You can go to andyhobday.com. You will have a link directly to their blog from a couple days ago about uh, all the stuff they're talking about, and stay tuned to that on their social media, which we'll also have in the show notes. So uh, thanks for listening. Paul and Andy, thank you again. Can't wait to see all this stuff, and I'll see you at Adepticon. Yeah, call mine. Thank you very much. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.